You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A week ago, Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation to the Supreme Court seemed like a slam dunk, but today it is a possible catastrophe for the GOP. That's after raucous confirmation hearings that raised questions about Kavanaugh's past statements about race, women's health, and other controversial issues. But the biggest bombshell came late last week with claims that Kavanaugh, when he was a teenager, sexually assaulted another teenager. Now, the accuser, California professor Christine Blasey Ford, is scheduled to testify in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee about those allegations. Already, there are questions about what this might mean for the votes of at least two senators who could be on the fence about Kavanaugh's confirmation, both women who are known as more independent-minded than many of their Republican colleagues. Susan Collins of Maine and Lisa Murkowski of Alaska are both considered wild cards in this debate, especially now that these accusations have surfaced. Where will they come down on this? Today, we welcome someone who has covered Lisa Murkowski for years since her time as a political reporter in Alaska to talk about the mounting pressure on Murkowski in this conversation. Washington Post reporter Libby Casey also recently spoke with Anita Hill about her ordeal in front of Congress during confirmation hearings for now Justice Clarence Thomas. Libby Casey, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So let's start. uh, Catch us up uh, where we are with these allegations. Uh, There is a hearing scheduled for Monday at which uh, both the accuser and uh, the accused, Brett Kavanaugh, are supposed to testify. Do you think we will get to that point and this will actually happen? Or uh, did the politics of this thing suggest this is maybe the end of this nomination uh, for political reasons. We could not have imagined this happening a week ago, Stephen. Yeah. I mean, the last time you and I talked, Brett Kavanaugh was on a smooth path to confirmation. Uh, it looked like the Judiciary Committee would take a vote this week. It would be kicked to the full Senate, and he would pass at least along a party line vote, maybe even some Democrats jumping on board, mm-hmm. Democrats in red states. Now, everything has changed. Will they testify on Monday? It's a big question, and we may see an evolution over the next few days of uh, of the decision-making process. Now, mm-hmm. it's Yom Kippur, so the Senate will be out uh, later on today as well as tomorrow. Uh, people will go home or they'll huddle and figure out what to do next. At this point, they are slated um, to talk publicly on Monday, but Republicans have to make some political calculations here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is this the moment they want? Do they want to have the optics of... The Senate panel uh, asking this woman, uh, Dr. Ford, questions about her past, about her sexual history, perhaps, Brett Kavanaugh having the same kinds of questions, um, talking about allegations that may be decades old, but they are very serious. Mm -hmm. And so there are a lot of question marks right now as to just who might want this to go forward and why. I I really don't think we know how this is going to play out in the next few days. However, Even yesterday, Republicans were wary of having sort of an open hearing process. They were trying to, you know, have phone calls that were private, you know, conference lines where Mm -hmm. they would talk to Dr. Ford. Um, And that all changed last night because enough Republicans like Susan Collins, like Lisa Murkowski, um, said, no, we need to have an open public process here. And so some of the leading Republicans sort of flipped the script and said, OK, let, let's do it next week. Yeah. Uh, you also saw Arizona Senator Jeff Flake uh, 
uh, come out and uh, express real reservations now about uh, moving quickly, at least mm-hmm. on this on this nomination. Bob Corker has also expressed some some uh, some concerns. So it, it is definitely spreading within the GOP caucus. Uh, but it seems to me that that the thing that that looms here the largest is the fact that we are just eight weeks away from midterm elections. And it, it, it's really hard for me uh, to imagine, given all the things that I've seen in, in politics over 25 years, um, uh, it's really hard for me to imagine that the GOP would indulge this kind of spectacle uh, during which uh, there, there, there really is no way for them to win, even if they get Kavanaugh confirmed. Uh, given how close we are to that, to that election, I mean, you, you are in Washington and much closer to this stuff than 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 I am. But I just, I just have a hard time believing that this will unfold. Uh, perhaps the way uh, the, the the Thomas hearings did uh, 26 years ago, or or, mm. or other kinds of spectacles. Uh, we've never uh, we've never really faced this kind of prospect of this kind of thing uh, unfolding publicly this close to an election. And in this moment, in this Me Too moment, Absolutely. when women are already so motivated right now to be politically active in the process, there are much more open conversations, not just among women, but among everyone about how people should be treated. Mm-hmm. What are people's rights? You know, how are our histories important and why sh- we should be examining them? Now, here's the one thing that Republicans could pin their hopes on. Brett Kavanaugh is very used to being in the spotlight. Mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. Uh, he's a political operative. He's he's been around a long time. He has prepared other judges to go through the process of being advanced in nominations, and so they may really believe that he can handle this and that he can, um, you know, answer enough questions that, uh, in a way that feels honest and open that things can move forward and in, in, in a way they you know that that's that's all they can really rely on mm-hmm. now the optics of this are very important because all the republicans on the judiciary committee are white men mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay democrats have more diversity there they've got more women they've got more racial diversity but all i mean still to this day it, it does harken back to the optics of anita hill and while you don't have the question of race thrown in here um it is you know a matter of this all-white republican male group asking questions of a woman um, about some very personal and scarring experiences um now Dr. Ford, you know, when she talked to the Washington Post in this story on Sunday, when my colleague Emma Brown interviewed her, Dr. Ford wasn't able to pin down some specifics, um, which which psychologists say is not uncommon at all. But, uh-huh. it, you know, she couldn't tell you exactly which party it was at or what day it happened on. Um, so will Republicans ask her questions and probe that and try to show, well, maybe you also don't remember who your accuser is. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. you don't remember who perpetrated this. Um, but they have to be aware of how that looks that seems very to the American dangerous, public. Uh, Absolutely. Like a very dangerous line of questioning, as you point out, in the current uh, environment where uh, you would look as though you were blaming a victim uh, or attacking a victim. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, talk about the the sort of backroom political chatter about this in Washington. I mean, we're of course seeing what senators are saying and and seeing what they're deciding to do. But in the halls in the Capitol, what are people saying about what this all? means and I guess where it's all headed. Do people believe that this will happen and have an effect one way or another on whether Brett Kavanaugh is confirmed? 
it really depends on who you talk to and when. There are some Republicans who do, do not want this to go forward, mm-hmm. but they realize that if they kill this nomination, and even if the president acts quickly to bring forth another nomination, they lose valuable time. And so the chances of them being able to get someone else vetted you know, through the nomination process, the sure. confirmation process, and on the bench by midterms, mm-hmm. uh, that's a long shot. Mm-hmm. And, re- and Democrats would do everything they can to, to block that. Um, and why do Republicans want to rush? They want a win when they go to their constituents to vote in November and say, look, I, I know that there's this Russia investigation, there's this stuff going on, but we are delivering for you. President Trump is delivering for you on your key issues, including getting two conservative justices on the Supreme Court. Hmm. So as they make this calculation, they're thinking about, you know, all of these things. I, th- I think some are still in disbelief. Like, could this really be thrown out? Like, could this really be happening? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um but, but there's a lot of different conversations. And some of the most important people in this debate, people like Lisa Murkowski, are not talking about this a lot. You know, I, I reached out to her office yesterday and got a statement. Um, it's the same thing she, she put on Twitter, that uh, despite the length of time since the alleged incident, Dr. Ford's allegations should be heard and she must have an opportunity to present her story before the committee under oath. Um, that's what Lisa Murkowski's statement said, along with Judge Kavanaugh doing the same. So I, you do hear Republicans trying to say, look, this happened so long ago. Mm-hmm. These allegations come from when they were both teenagers. Um, but that's they have to tread carefully on that ground. President Trump yesterday, while defending Brett Kavanaugh, didn't really go to the mat for him. And um, he really stuck to the script. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't blame the accuser. He didn't you know, lash out in a way that he's done before in um, other cases when Republican allies were accused of sexual misconduct. Uh, so while he was defending Brett Kavanaugh, you, you, Brett Kavanaugh is going to have to do a lot of this defending himself. It himself, seems like, sure. yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, if you think about the the the, the potential testimony he could give, uh, if we get to this hearing, uh, I, I wonder if. Republicans are fearful that he, with his statement so far, has painted himself into a difficult corner. He has unequivocally denied uh, that this happened, which doesn't give him a lot of room, uh, I think, to say much else. Uh, Anything else he uh, would sort of offer, I think, would seem like a backtrack or Mm -hmm. an obfuscation. Uh, And and I think it's one of the reasons that it's hard to imagine that uh, he will sit back down at that table, take the oath, uh, and answer questions about this. I mean, unless he really believes this is not true and he feels like he can bring enough character witnesses in to vouch for him. Mm-hmm. The the other question is the third party here. So Dr. Ford um, accuses Brett Kavanaugh of essentially drunkenly attacking her at a party. But mm-hmm. there was another teenage boy, a man, a 17-ish year old in the room um, who was sort of egging him on and then ended up jumping on to- top of the two and kind of a pile on. And that enabled her, in her account, to get away because mm-hmm. it was just kind of chaotic. Um, will he testify? Will Will he talk to the committee? Will he talk to anyone else? Um, th- you know, there, there's there's a third person there that that I think everyone's asking questions about. Mm-hmm. Now there is criticism here of Democrats um, by Republicans that this didn't come forward sooner, right. and this was in the hands of Senator Dianne Feinstein, the top Democrat on the committee, for quite a long time. It was confidential. Dr. Ford did not want her name made public. It sort of started to leak out last week, and mm-hmm. the rumor mill began, mm-hmm. um, and and that pushed the story forward. And Dr. Ford started to be contacted by reporters, and things things were leaking out. So she decided to take control of it, you know, talk to a Washington Post reporter have it in her own words. 
Um, but there is a lot of question of if Senator Feinstein should have contacted authorities sooner, what else could she have done uh, to, to raise, you know, raise an alarm right. about this issue? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think there are a lot of legitimate questions about the difficulty for Senator Feinstein in having this information and deciding whether to make it part of the process. And this is not somebody uh, who would ordinarily be shy about making sure that uh, a, a woman who was the victim of a sexual assault could have uh, her day in court or or uh, her opportunity to, to have her story aired. And so that, that really does, I think, speak to um, the the complications here, mm-hmm. the, com- the the political complications of having uh, having that information and having to, to to figure out what to do with it. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to uh, switch gears just a little bit uh, and juxtapose this situation with Anita Hill's testimony about workplace sexual harassment during the Clarence Thomas hearings in 1991. You asked Anita Hill in a recent interview what she would say now to her 30. 30- five-year-old self who sat in front of an all-white male Senate Judiciary panel to tell her story of sexual harassment back then. Here's what she said. I would tell my 35-year-old me that, yes, there have been women who have come before you. It's part of the arc, and it's an arc that I think we are now seeing made more visible because of the Me Too movement. But I would say change will come. It's not going to come in an instant. It's not going to come because of one episode. It's not going to come just because you testify. But you're going to be part of history. And the history is going to ultimately unfold in a way that will make the world a more just place for everyone. Wow. I mean, it's it's almost uh, chilling to hear her say that in the, in the current context. I mean, in a lot of ways, what she's saying has has come true and and i, I want to ask you to talk just a little about that end of this i think there there are a number of different narratives unfolding here uh most of them political uh in this case it is a question of how these kinds of issues get handled uh and dr ford giving you know getting the opportunity to tell her story in front of the nation is not just about Brett Kavanaugh and his nomination. It's also about women and uh, uh, the agency they have over the things that happen to them. Absolutely. Um, Anita Hill and I talked uh, months ago now after the Me Too movement had unfolded and had gained steam, but before Brett Kavanaugh was a Supreme Court nominee. And it was uh, in- incredible, frankly, to hear her reflect on history and her sort of accidental role in history um, and just hear her self-possession and ability to reflect on uh, what she says she's still surviving and not just being sexually harassed at work, but the ordeal that the Senate Judiciary Committee put her through mm-hmm. um, in trying to destroy her character. And they really made it about her and they put her on uh essentially the witness stand uh, in a way that was an incredibly harsh spotlight. And if you remember those hearings, depending on what age you are, you know, what station of life you were in, you may have very strong memories of that. I was a young teenager Mm -hmm. and I 
didn't entirely understand what was going on, but I could tell that those senators did not like that woman and that they thought she had she was just sort of bad news. Mm-hmm. And the takeaway for a lot of young women who then grew up like I did and became journalists and and have read books about this now and have thought more about it is our perception has changed so much about how she should have been treated and how those senators dealt with her. Um, and instead of respecting her and hearing her out, they, you know, they tried to drag her through the mud and, and made insane accusations against her. Mm-hmm. Um, so to hear her reflect on that moment and, and recognize her place in history as part of an arc, you know, is is pretty fascinating. It does feel like we're there again. right? Mm-hmm. It does feel like once again, deep into the process, an accusation has come out against uh um, you know, a man who's before the Senate to be possibly confirmed to the highest court in the land for a lifetime term. Sure, sure. Uh, and I think senators have that very much in their minds. You know, what's funny is some of them are still around. Sure. You know, Orrin Same Hatch people, right? is still around. He's He was on the committee then. He's mm-hmm. on the committee now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yesterday he was commenting to some of my reporter colleagues about this, but it was sort of you know, he, 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 his, his, you have to take him in the context of his own history. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If, if he says something to a reporter um, that he thinks Kavanaugh's honest and straightforward, and uh, my, my colleague Leanne Caldwell at NBC News reported that, um, that the woman might be mixed up. It, it sounds so much like the kinds of things he was saying, uh, you know, 20-some years ago about Clarence Thomas and Anita Hill. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh and the sexual assault accusation that has ensnared his candidacy. And we want to hear from you. What do you think should happen to Brett Kavanaugh? Should he be confirmed? Uh, Should this hearing take place on Monday? And what do you expect to learn from that hearing if it does take place? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. We're also going to pivot in the next segment and talk a little more about about Lisa Murkowski, someone who Libby Casey knows well from her time in Alaska. Stay with us on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is Libby Casey. She's an on-air reporter and anchor who covers politics and accountability for The Washington Post. We are talking about the Supreme Court nomination of Brett Kavanaugh. A week ago, it seemed like a slam dunk, All almost cer- certainly headed uh, for approval by not only the Senate Judiciary Committee, but the full Senate, uh, but then a bombshell over the weekend. Uh, a, a professor um, has come out and said that when she was a teenager, Brett Kavanaugh, who was also a teenager, sexually assaulted her. Now we have hearings scheduled for next Monday at which both Professor and Mr. Kavanaugh will, Judge Kavanaugh, will testify uh, before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, We're talking about what will happen, what is likely to happen between now and then, and whether we'll even get to that day of testimony without Brett Kavanaugh's nomination being withdrawn. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us what you think of all this, what you think should happen. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. 
or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Terry in Detroit. Terry, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. Stephen, I just want to add my perspective. You know, growing up a woman, I was a teenager once, and teenage girls remember when boys try to have sex with them. Mm -hmm. It isn't something that teenage girls take lightly. And you might not remember everything about the circumstances, but you will remember those occasions, and you will have a recollection of those people. So I just wanted to say that. And for, you know, guys that have been professionals, lawyers, many of them, and been in the Senate, been in a a place of responsibility for decades, to think that they understand the dynamics in the mind of a teenage girl and what she wouldn't would or wouldn't remember in a circumstance like this is just preposterous. I think Warren Hatch, uh, your, your guest, mentioned it. He was around before, and, I mean, he's just a relic. His attitudes haven't changed. His opinions haven't changed. And it's a shame that we've got a person like him that is sitting in the judgment seat on such an important issue like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terry, let me ask you uh, a couple questions about the circumstances here, uh, I mean, it, it seems clear that you believe uh, uh, Dr. Ford and what she's saying about Brett Kavanaugh. What do you think should happen uh, to, to this nomination as a result of that? Do you believe that that is a disqualifying uh, truth? Uh, and, and what do you think about what Brett Kavanaugh is saying? Uh, he's saying this unequivocally did not happen. So what I believe is that something did happen um, to the professor back when she was a teenage girl. I do believe that it, it, he certainly was in proximity of this of this day when this happened. I mean, and someone else will have to sort out the details. There were other people there wherever this party were was. Maybe they can find some of those folks to speak to it. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it is disqualifying if, in fact, um, he did this even as a teenage boy and i think for us to kid ourselves and to think that these kind of things didn't happen is just ridiculous i do think it's disqualifying uh, you know a cloud hangs over uh clarence thomas and the fact that he's sitting on the bench now mm-hmm. um and uh, we don't need another guy sitting on the bench that has this kind of cloud hanging over them there are enough people out here in america that have not done things like this mm-hmm. and have shown themselves to be intelligent in a legal field. Mm. So there are people we can pick from. We don't have to have people that have clouds like this hanging mm. over their mm. head. Uh, Terry, as always, thanks very much for the call uh, and the insights. Um, Libby Casey, I do want to get to this question of Lisa Murkowski uh, and, and Susan Collins. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk specifically about uh, Lisa Murkowski, someone um, who you know from your time uh, reporting in Alaska. They were already being very watched uh, because they are women Republicans. There are some other women Republicans, but these two are uh, pro-choice. And so they were being held out as people who might not support Kavanaugh. I, I frankly never had a doubt that Lisa Murkowski would support Judge Kavanaugh mm-hmm. um, because she really does tend to. She's a conservative, even sure. though she is someone with, um, you know, views that aren't necessarily along with all of her colleagues on, on a handful of issues. But this uh, may be a change. And so she will be very looked at. It's almost not fair 
fair that because you're a woman Republican that you get put under the microscope. Mm-hmm. Like I think men Republicans can also, you know, care about sexual assault, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but that's who we're looking to. She was also asking some important questions because a very influential group, the Alaska Federation of Natives, has come out recently against right. Judge Kavanaugh's nomination for something before we knew this uh, news story, concerns about how he would rule in cases related to Alaska Native rights because of an op-ed piece he wrote many years ago mm-hmm. in the Wall Street Journal that that questioned the the uh, sort of Native Hawaiians and their rights and whether or not they are allowed the same rights as Indian tribes in the lower 48, um, or if that classification is not as valid constitutionally and it's more of a race issue. Mm-hmm. Um, he also has said that he believes eventually that there will be one race under the eyes of the law. So the Alaska Federation of Natives, a huge ally of Murkowski, had come out against him. Their concerns did not seem to be enough to stop Lisa Murkowski from supporting him. But now everything is is really different. If I can address one thing that Terry mm-hmm. brought up, mm-hmm. I think the questions Republicans are going to be asking is how many women like Terry have that exact same feeling mm-hmm. of like, mm-hmm. oh, I remember being a teenage girl. I know exactly what happened to me. I may not be able to tell you the house I was at or the car I was in, but I can tell you the guy and I can tell you how it made me feel. Mm-hmm. And when I talked to Anita Hill a few months ago, she said, you know, one thing that was shocking was that the Judiciary Committee um, – could in no way relate to her experience. These, these All these white men <laughs> could mm-hmm. in no way relate to her experience as a young African-American woman in the workplace because she was accusing Clarence Thomas of sexual harassment in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those are important visuals for the committee and Republicans to be considering. How many women will put themselves in, in Dr. Ford's position, shoes? Sure. Absolutely. Now, if I may mention one thing, Anita Hill wrote an op-ed that was just published this mm-hmm. morning, mm-hmm. and she's calling for these hearings to, to not be rushed right. and to have some sort of neutral body dive into these questions and conduct an investigation with sensitivity and with uh, with some expertise and knowledge mm-hmm. and not just try to plow through this in a really quick way for political expediency. Yeah, yeah. And of course, that is a very powerful voice uh, in this conversation. Uh, let's quickly go to Lee and Warren. Lee, we've got about uh, a minute left, but I wanted to make sure we got you into the conversation. Hi, good morning, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you can hear me while I'm on yeah. my cell phone. Um, yeah. Okay, I just, um, I was, um, you know, a, a victim, if you will, um, in college. Um, I'm sorry, it's so emotional. It's okay. Um, it's 22 years later. Um, and for people to think that someone who experiences that kind of trauma is not going to remember it, they will always remember that. It is, when, when people experience trauma, it's a scar um, that's left um, in your brain. Um, I've turned it into a positive thing. I talked to women who are going off to college. I talked to my daughter who's 15. Hmm. Um, you know, we need to believe these people. And, and you will, when, when, when Anita Hill and when Dr. Ford um, are, are, you know, in front of those people, those, those judges, if you will, mm-hmm. you can see the emotion. You can see, you can hear sincerity and, and you can hear the trauma um, Someone might be more posed than I am right now, but um, poised, I meant. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the, that is real, yeah. and people don't forget it. I don't care if it happened to someone in high school. Yeah. 
um, you remember that trauma. And, um, of course, how you deal with that is is uh, a, a number of circumstances affect that. Right. Um, uh, Lee, just, Lee, we're yeah. we're we're running out of time, but uh, but I, I really really appreciate you calling and adding that perspective to this conversation. Okay, Libby Casey, on-air reporter and anchor covering politics and accountability for the Washington Post. It's always great to have you here with us. Thanks on so Detroit much. Today. All right, that's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. Hope you will too. This is 101.9 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.